I want to take just a minute before the man of God comes and brings the word of the Lord to you. Something that is very important to me as your pastor, and I want to present it to you. Brother David and Sister Michelle have come alongside us and have really helped us with this that I'm fixing to present to you. For a long time, when we were in our building, we did what was called Grow Track. And Grow Track is basically for any person in this house to kind of get your toes wet on what TPC is about. And it's actually four modules, and it's Know God. We want everyone in this house to know God, because that's where it starts. And then we want everyone in this house to find freedom. Because I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ, whom the Son has set free, is free indeed. And we want you to live a life of freedom. And then third, we want you to discover your purpose. Because everyone in this room has a purpose. And then fourthly, we want you to take all that. And we want you to make a difference on your block, in your school, in your neighborhood. And yes, in your community. Can I get a witness? So what Brother David and Sister Michelle have done, they've come alongside us and really encouraged us since we do not physically have the room in this house to take this online. So we have videotaped this professionally online. And now what you can do is you can go to tpcdq.church and you can watch it in the privacy of your own home. And if your job will allow you, don't get in trouble, but... If your job will allow you, you can watch it on your job and you can actually download through a PDF what is called the Grow Track and you can fill in the blanks as you do each and every one of those modules. Now, if you say, well, I don't have a printer, well, guess what? We've already thought about that. So there's actually a few of these in the South Foyer and then in the North Foyer that you can pick up and you can grow, go through the grow track. Now, here's why this is important. Because once you go through these four modules, then at the very end of it, we're going to ask you to uh, go and sign this dream team and get involved in serving. Janet made this statement, and it's a very powerful statement. She says, you can do nothing wrong and still not do anything right. And I said, Janet, you know what that means to me? Here's what it means to me. That means to me, I'm not sinning, but I'm still not serving. So you can be not sinning and not serving. And Jesus said, I didn't come for you to serve me. I've come to serve you. Brothers and sisters, we want every one of you. Because here's what we believe. We believe there's always a next step. Whether this is your first service or you're like Sister June or Sister Garcia, you've had the Holy Spirit 60 years, been going to church 80 years. Whatever the case may be, here's what my dad taught me. God never stops on the process of sanctification and discipleship. There's always a next step. Can I get a witness? So we want you to know this is very important to us. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And now you can go to the TPCDQ website. And did I say that right? TPCDQ.church website. And look there, and it's there, and you can go through each and every one of these modules. Okay? Last announcement. 
after service is done today in our altar service, I'm, I'm not begging you because I'm not a beggar, but I am asking with a lot of passion. Hang out for just a minute, okay? We only have one service on Sunday now, so you don't have to get dressed to come back to a Sunday night service. And you may only be 15 minutes late to L2 can. They're going to wait on you. So what I'd like for you to do is stay and then let's all journey over to the new building together. We're going to have some Sharpies that we're going to give out. I'm going to give a little direction out to you. And then we're going to write on the metal studs. We're going to write on the floor, on the platform, on the risers. Anywhere you want to write, you can write verses, scriptures, whatever. And we're going to do that together and create a, a, a neat memory that we'll have for the rest of our life. Okay? So that's what I'm asking of you. Everybody good? If you're good, say amen. amen. We have a great man of God this morning. This man is no stranger to us. He brought his beautiful wife and his three beautiful children. And I wished her a happy Mother's Day late. Because anytime you're raising three that young... You need all the blessings you can get. Sister Holloway, you're, you're such a sweet lady and we honor you. Thank you for raising these wonderful children. And Brother Holloway, thank you, sir. I know a little bit about your rhythms. This man takes no phone calls. He receives no texts until later on in the afternoon because he's constantly reading, studying, and disciplining himself. He's going back to school to earn a master's degree and eventually he'll probably earn a PhD. He's just a brilliant man of God that loves God, loves God's people, loves his word. He's going to be speaking at camp meeting this year in the morning service. He is absolutely a man that challenges me to grow and to do better. Even though he's younger than me, I honor him as an incredible man of God. And I wish that I would have given myself as deep as he has given himself. That's one of my regrets but I can't do anything about yesterday. I can only go forward in tomorrow. And so, man of God, we honor you. Would you please stand in honor to the man and woman of God who is going to bring us the word today, Brother A.J. Holloway. Come on and give him some love. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. If you remain standing, I'm going to be going to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 4. While you're turning there, just Brother Neelan, thank you so much, first of all, for honoring my wife. I'm thankful a lot of people don't always honor my wife, and she has taught me more about the church than anyone else because she's the bride of Christ, and I'm a man, and I don't understand nurturing. I don't understand loving and serving until I look at her, and I am truly a more godly and holy man of God because of my wife. I love your pastor. He's one of my, my close friends. I consider him a friend. In fact, Brother Neelan, I was filling out um, paperwork for my degree program yesterday, and it asked me, said, list some of your favorite scriptures that have impacted your life, as well as some people. And you are in that list of, of people that I've put on that, on that form. I put in there a story that he told me after God called me on a fast. He gave me a word uh, when I was preaching for y'all, and it has been impacting my wife knows the word it's been impacting me and it's still impacting me to this day and so i put it in that that paper and i put in there reverend wayne Nealon is a voice that has impacted my life and i'm thankful for him and i'm just a smidge jealous that you get him every single week amen he and i have will often have an hour-long phone call and i'm thankful for that but you get him a whole lot and it makes me a little bit jealous and sister janet is the epitome of a true servant and 
humility incarnate. I love her, Molly. I've not seen young people pray like you. I'm just impressed with all of you, all of you, the church. I'm just thankful to be here today. If you haven't been feeling it, it is holy in here. It is holy in here. It absolutely feels holy. And I'm thankful that we get to be in the presence of God together. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 4, it says, For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest, he quotes. He then goes on to say in verse 6, Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. It's talking about the Israelites not going into the promised land. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Verse 11 really drives it home. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Verse 7 clearly tells us there is a day where we can enter that rest. What day is it? What day is it, O author of Hebrews? Today. As long as it can be called today, there is rest available. I want to preach, and God had just poured this on me yesterday. I stayed up as I was digging this out, and I just talked to my wife the whole way. She's already heard the message, so she can go out with the kids if she needs to. She heard it on the ride here. But I am passionate about what I'm about to preach today, and I firmly believe that glory will fall because of his word amen i want to preach to us today one square inch now this is what i want you to do i want you to lift up your hands and the bible tells us what we should do on any given day it tells us to set our affection upon things above not on things of this earth that means we are to be holy and heavenly minded right now can you just you may not have a perfect picture you may have a comic book picture of what heaven is that's perfectly fine whatever you know of heaven I want you to think of that perfect place and I want you to think about that place that we're going to and I want you to begin thinking about it God you're coming to get me and you're bringing me there that place of peace that place of rest that place of hope that place of of perfection you're bringing me there and now I want you to thank him for making a way for us to get there can we lift up our voice with our minds upon heaven and the one who resides there in that heavenly abode. Father, I thank you that you have made a way for us to enter into that place. But while it is today, we get a down payment. We get a taste of heaven. Father, I want to taste every bit of heaven that is available to us today. God, allow us to enter into your rest here in this very service. Give us an, a, an unction. Give us a, an opportunity to feel what just heaven may be. Father, I give you glory for what you and you alone will do in this house in the name of Jesus. Now, can we worship him? Can we clap our hands? Can we rejoice? Can you laugh a little bit? Can you have joy? Because that's what also comes with that beautiful place called heaven. It's not just going to be so sober and sovereign, but it's going to be joy forevermore. That place where we're going is going to be perfect. There's going to be joy and peace. That is where we are striving for. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. 
1984, there was a man named Gordon Hempton, who is a renowned acoustic ecologist, determined that there were only 21 places left in the United States where there was no intrusion of man-made noise. In 2005, he discovered, much to his dismay, that there were now less than 12 places in the United States where there was no noise pollution caused by man. When they asked him the location of those 12 places, he would only give the location of three of them, for he was afraid that if he revealed the other nine, then people would go there looking for it and disrupt the sovereign silence that was there. So in an effort to preserve the sanctity of silence, which he estimated was quickly diminishing from North America, he had a theory. He said if a a single airplane flying over a national park could obliterate hundreds of miles of pristine and beautiful silence, then the opposite should also be true. So in 2005, Gordon took his specialized sound recording equipment and he began to traverse through the whole rainforest in Olympic State Park, which is near his home in Washington State. When he found the quietest place in North America. He sat down and he grabbed a stone that was one square inch in total total space. He grabbed it and he set it upon this log. And he said, if an airplane can obliterate silence for hundreds of miles, then maybe if I put this stone right here and declare this the most quiet place in North America, maybe we can preserve silence and it will also reverberate out and we will maintain a hundred square miles of silence. Sure enough, much to his delight, they began to make the cloud or the airspace above Olympic State Park off limits for all jet airlines because we wanted to preserve silence. And sure enough, that one square inch stone that was placed in the middle of that forest is now preserved over hundreds of miles. He took his recording equipment and he walked all around that area within 50 miles and could hear no sound. And the way he measured sound was he would record for one hour and within one hour of recording, recording time. There would be no interruption whatsoever of silence because he said we are losing our rest in North America. We are losing our silence. And he said, if you sit right now and you listen, you will hear the intrusion of refrigerators and cell phone buzzing and different things pining for your attention. And he said, man was designed to sit in silence at times. And by protecting just one square inch of silence, a hundred square miles was also preserved because his theory was if a jet can obliterate it, then silence can preserve it. And as I read this story, it had a massive impact impact upon me spiritually as I recounted multiple times within scripture the place where we have been called to traverse. Psalm 23 too begins to give us a little bit of an idea of what that place is. He says he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. Isaiah the prophet had a revelation of this place in 32 17. He said the work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness will be 
be quietness and assurance forever. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. There is a place that God has preserved for the child of his that is peace. It is rest. It is quiet where nothing is intrusive. Nothing comes in and obliterates it. There is a place that God has called each and every one of us, and it is available. But I'm finding as I travel the United States, there is something that is beginning to intrude upon that place. I can feel it in church services when a holy hush comes over a room that when I was growing up used to lead us into tongues and interpretation. When that holy hush hits, now people think service is over. And we don't linger in silence anymore because we feel it's awkward. And I am delighted to feel today that you are in a healthy place because of healthy leadership and healthy disciples that you are not pining for more. You are not pining for success. You're pining for Him. And in Him is peace. In Him is delight. In Him is rest. He is heaven. And when heaven kisses earth, it's when God steps into a room. We are looking for that place. And I'm here to declare from the rooftops that we must preserve this place. We must preserve sanctity. We must preserve quietness. It is okay to turn off a cell phone when we come into the presence of God. It is okay to take the iPhones and the watches off and set them at the door when we enter into our prayer closet. It's okay to take the laptop and to shut it and to tune everything out and just to hear a still small voice. He makes us to dwell in a peaceful habitation and in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. One of the hardest fasts I've ever gone on was I went three days on absolute silence and I never opened my mouth one time and I sat and I meditated upon the Lord and it was in that context I preached it here that God gave me one of the greatest revelations of heaven that I've ever had and it was in quiet but it was the hardest fast I have gone on extended fasts but the hardest fast was three days of not speaking that tells me that there is something in my flesh that must die and there is something in my spirit that is yearning for quiet in his presence is a place of peace it's rest it's quiet. This is the life that Adam and Eve would have enjoyed and they would find it interesting. I find it interesting that the description of the devil in Ezekiel 28, it says that in him were the timbrels and the pipes. His literal body was made to be an instrument, one that would worship God in the highest place of the heavenly abode until pride was found in him in Ezekiel 28 and he was cast down. So the sound that he used to make, which was worship that would edify and to exalt God above everything else now that he's cast down he uses his very body to disrupt and to bring noise and to disrupt everything and to be obtrusive into our lives and to keep us from hearing the wind of the spirit that is often gently blowing and it's a holy hush and it is something sacred and peaceful and the Bible calls it a still small voice and so he did with Adam and Eve by elevating his voice above God's voice by screaming louder than God and with God's voice, mankind was cast down from that heavenly abode. I have listened into my own atmosphere and I have noticed that this master of noise has obtrusively infiltrated my life and has thus robbed me of my own peace. And as I sat and I began to discern, I said, God, where is this noise coming from? Where is this loudness in my soul that is trying to 
mute you out to pure obscurity. Where is this noise coming from? And as I began to silence my spirit and began to rest and stop striving and to try to impress God and to try to make myself better to earn him, I just sat as a son and I began to realize, God, you love me. Help me understand where this noise is coming from. And the spirit whispered to me, and this is what the Holy Ghost said to me. He said, it's coming from culture. The loudest thing in your world right now that is blocking out the still small voice is culture. God knew there would be a culture that was obsessed with the noise of busy. He knew that there would be a culture that was obsessed with anxiety, that was obsessed with fear, that's obsessed with loss. Culture is screaming loud at us. Christian culture tells us do more, be better, earn it, do better, be a better person, score the touchdown and the Father will love you more. All of that is culture lying to you. You are a son and daughter of God that when you came into this room and you sat down, the voice of God looked and said, my kids are in the room. If they'll silence all the voices of their culture and listen in, I will speak sweet nothings in their ear. But here in this place, we must silence some things and tune in to the Spirit. God would preserve peace with a one square inch stone called Sabbath. When Gordon Hempton placed that stone in the forest, he said, I'm preserving the sanctity of quiet. And when God began to look at the culture and the adversary that was comprised of noise, timbrels, literally a timbrel in Jewish in Hebrew culture and language was a drum. He comes in to disrupt and to beat louder than everybody else. Often he beats his prideful chest and that's trying to sound out and mute out the still small voice. And God says, here's what I will do. I will create something called Sabbath. The word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which simply means cease. Sabbath literally means stop. Stop all your striving. Stop all of your works. Rest. Stop trying to be better. Stop trying to impress me. God stopped. And all of his work, not because he was tired, but he stopped on that seventh day. He ceased and he said, I'm going to look at all that has been done. It's not finished, but it's beautiful, it's good, and I'm pleased with it. None of the flowers had to look at him and say, I'm trying to impress you, God. God looked at the flowers and said, I'm already impressed. It's already beautiful. It's already divine. I just want to look at it. I want to enjoy what was made. And so is he with this room as we come in and culture says, impress him fast more pray more put on sackcloth and ashes do something to impress him God says on this day which is a supposed to be a rest day he looks at his sons and daughters says I made you you're beautiful you're done you're good you're not finished yet the creation's not done you're still sanctifying and growing but right now let me just enjoy my kids for a day let me just enjoy as we eat the word together and the bread is going forth and we're breaking bread let's just cease for a moment and enjoy each other time we must preserve what we're doing today and more so as we see the day approaching what we're doing right now in this room it's not perfect it's not complete but this is good and God Almighty came into this room and he said my kids are together the family came together the extended and the immediate are all together the brothers and sisters came into the room it's starting to feel a little bit like heaven 
This this word was first introduced when God ceased from his work in Genesis and rested. He looked at it. He said, I like it. It's pretty. It's beautiful. It's finished. It's made. I like it. This is the way I made it. I delight in the flowers haven't completely bloomed yet, but I like that the seed's in the ground. A man's not completely mature yet, but I like that he's here with me. I like all of it. It's good. I'm going to rest with my son, my daughter. And the first thing that was ever declared holy was a day of rest. That's the first thing that ever got the beautiful definition of this is separated and set apart from everything else. It is holy. The second thing in the Bible that was ever called holy was a place, and that was the temple. And that temple was gone into on the Sabbath day. And so we have a day and we have a place. And the third thing that was called holy in the Bible was a man because of the day and because of the place. We need a day, we need a space. And we need his presence to achieve holiness. And that's what I feel in this place. What we're doing today is holy. This is holy ground. Not because we're holy people, because we're perfect, and because we got everything together. It's holy because we came together in the blood of Jesus. And we came and we lifted up. We may not agree on everything, but we agree that God is here and he is above all. We agree that his name is exalted above every name. We agree that he is the creator of all things. We agree that he loves us. We agree that he died on a cross for us, was resurrected. You agree on a whole lot more than what you disagree on. We're a lot more unified than we the world would tell you we are. This is good. This is godly. This is holy. We are holy in this place. We are doing the work of heaven right now. The sound of Sabbath, however, would be washed out with the sound of the culture of Egypt. In the book of Exodus, when Pharaoh made the people slaves to labor in building his kingdom. God came and silenced the culture when he had the people cease from their labor. And he said, stop, stop building Pharaoh's kingdom. Stop building a kingdom for that man. Stop. Okay, God, we stop. What do you want us to do? I want you to take a lamb. I want you to sacrifice it. And I want you to put the blood on a doorpost. And I want you to go into a house. That house is going to be separated. I've been holding back an angel. This vicious angel. It's like, a, it's like a dog that's vicious and wanting to kill everything. I'm about to let it off its leash. And it's going to be released throughout the earth. But it's not going to be able to find you because you're in a holy place on a holy day. And death is going to go passing over and it's going to find everybody that's not ceasing, everybody that's not resting. It's going to find everybody that is not in a place. It's going to find the people that's not behind the blood. Here's what I know about that house. There are no doors in Hebrew culture. They had a veil that would be rolled down and there were no locks on that veil. You could go into the house of your own free will and you could leave the house of your own free will. And when you're in the house, you can't see the blood. So something in you had to have faith that while you were in the house on a day, You had to say, I hear the screams of that angel going through and annihilating people that aren't in the house. Is the blood working? I can't see the blood. Is it still working? You're going to have to have faith that the blood works even when you don't see it. Because pinch yourself. You're still here. You're still okay. You're still rejoicing. You, that situation that brought you through the miry clay and it brought you through hell on earth, you did not bow to it. You did not give in to it. You may have felt the pressure of it. You may have heard the screams, but I'm here to tell you congratulations. You, you put your faith in the blood. 
You could have threw in the towel, but you're here in the house. The doors aren't locked. Nobody made you come here today. But you said, I'm going into the house of God with my brothers and sisters. And I want to practice heaven for a moment. Congratulations. You could have quit. We got so many people doing that. And we're going to love them and reach for them as well. But those of you that are here, you put your faith in the unseen blood. We're resting today. We're ceasing today. We're not striving to impress him. I love the music. It was so well done. It was so practiced. I can tell you practice, but that practice isn't impressing God. And you know that. The drums, you did a wonderful job. The bass player, you did a wonderful job. Organ and keys, y'all did a wonderful job. But none of that was impressing God. It could have sounded like a train wreck, but with sincere worship, giving it unto God, God would have said, it's not perfect. It's not done. But I like that they're here. I love my children. I love all of it. The preaching might not always be good and it might not always connect with us but God still likes it because he says ah, that's still my kids. I still love it. That's not perfect. It's not finished but I'm resting with them. Today we're practicing heaven. As they were called out of their houses you got to look at this. As they were called out of their houses God said put no leaven in the bread. Why? Because it takes 18 minutes for leaven to make the bread rise. And God said I can make you leave at any moment. I want nothing wasting the time in the house. No leaven in the bread because you might be sitting there waiting on it to rise and I might say leave so I don't want anything wasting your time in that house of rest. Put no leaven in the bread because I'm going to call you out in a moment's notice and I need you to be ready. Okay, God, I'll be ready. We're going to have bread ready to go for the journey. And sure enough, God said leave and they all left. All of those Jews walked and they came to the Red Sea and they said, what do we do? How do we get past that sea? God looked at them and he said, there's going to be a wind that's going to come from heaven. And that wind What's powerful about that word wind It's the same word that was used in Genesis When the wind of God, the voice of God Was blowing in the wind in the cool of the day It's the same word in Hebrew that was used He said that wind that was looking for two failures That were striving to make themselves better By clothing themselves with fig leaves And they were striving My spirit came and found two strivers And invited them into rest That's the same thing that's going to be doing You came out of your house of rest And my wind's going to blow over a Red Sea And it's going to split that Red Sea And you're going to experience the full of my rest when you go through the water and your enemies try to follow you and the wind shuts the water on your past and on your enemy and you're going to be set free all of this happened on Sabbath as they were called from their houses the water would close in on the Egyptians and it silenced their culture as the, the culture was screaming at them come back to us, build our kingdom strive in Egypt do what we're told you to do bow to our culture, bow to our secularism, the people set their eyes and said no I'm following that wind I need to go where the wind's going and they crossed through that water and as those those cultures were screaming at them God silenced the culture there's a place in God that you can get to where culture doesn't affect you. Where all the noise and the news and the problems, gas prices don't bother me one iota. Looking at the shelves and not seeing enough food on it doesn't bother me. And I, can, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You can ask my wife. That stuff doesn't affect me one ounce because I've read Matthew 5. I know that I don't have to strive and make things happen. God takes care of his kids. And I'm a child of God and I know that he's got all this taken care of because he's already downloaded a foretaste of heaven in my soul but to commemorate 
this moment of ceasing and silencing of a culture. God tells them this in Exodus 28. Remember the Sabbath day. This is not a suggestion. This was one of the Ten Commandments. Keep it holy. Keep it separated from all other days. Six days, you're going to labor. You're going to do your work. Why, God? Why don't you want me to rest forevermore? I need you to work for six days so you'll appreciate the rest. But the seventh day is the ceasing day of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gate. Nothing shall strive when my presence is fallen. Make yourself better. Be more holy. Appease the God. You cannot find that in Scripture. And if you can show it to me, I would gladly do it. But I've searched for it because I'm the guy who likes to strive. I'm the guy that's constantly looking for more. That's me. And God gave my soul rest when he spoke to me as a son and said, you don't have to do that, son. You're in my presence. You're my son. I love you. Keep striving for sanctification. But just know it's going to be the rest of your life. And you're going to fully get it when you're raptured. But in the meantime, enjoy the journey and enjoy my presence while you're striving. Every week, they would have a day where they would cease. These days would lead up to what was called a high day in Jewish culture. The ultimate Sabbath, which was called Passover. And it would start in the Sabbath day, and it would last for seven days. It would start on Sabbath, and they would celebrate for seven days, and it would end on Sabbath. This was called Passover. To help you understand it, think a little bit about Sunday afternoon dinner with your family. That's, that would be a Sabbath. It's the weekend. We're not working. We can enjoy the comfort and the solitude and spend time with people we love and trust most, our immediate family. And we're sitting down and we're enjoying a meal together. And I can rest because well, I don't have to work today. Today's an off day. I don't have to work till tomorrow. But then imagine the Passover as Thanksgiving. We're the immediate family. Think of Christmas where all the immediate and the extended family come together and you're off for a whole week. I don't have to work. I got Christmas holiday off and I'm going to go sit with my family and we're going to play Monopoly. We're going to play games. We're going to laugh. We're going to joke. We're going to drink eggnog. We're going to eat not just a regular Sunday meal. This is going to be a sacred meal that we only eat on Thanksgiving and Christmas. We're going to have turkey. It's a sacred meal. Why do you think there is nothing? They say... Christmas is the most joyful time of the year. Why do you think that is? It's not because of Christmas. Jesus was born in May. It's not because of the birth of Jesus. It's because of the spirit that's attached to the rest, the ceasing of Christmas. The rapture, heaven-like qualities that is Christmas where families come together and we joke. And if I were the devil, I'd make you busy on Christmas. I'd make you strive on Thanksgiving. I'd make you looking for the best deals on Black Friday. I'd make you strive. I'd make you stress because you're trying to find the perfect gift. I would try to wear you out. If I were the adversary, I would wear you out with church. I would wear you out with something that was supposed to bring rest into your soul. I would stress you out. I would wear you out. Why would I do that if I were the adversary? Why would I do that if I was the culture? Why would I do that if I were the devil? Because I want to distort the earthly image of what heaven would be if I could distort that I would rob from you the hope of glory 
I would take from you the hope of the eternal abode because you wouldn't even understand what rest actually is. Therefore, you wouldn't have a down payment of what you're working for now, of what you're striving for later. You wouldn't even have an idea of what it was because you're constantly striving and you're constantly trying to be better and you're constantly working and you would never take a day and see what God's presence feels like when you cease. I think the Passover as my time with my family where we sit at a dinner table let me explain to you for a moment my little nerdy side of what I go to school for and what I read about when they would have Passover Brother Neelan this is what they would do all the families would travel from all over the known area because they were they were completely scattered at the time of Jesus and so they would travel sometimes hundreds of miles to come to the holy city Jerusalem and as they're traveling they would stop along the way at Uncle Barnabas's house and they would stop and they would have dinner with Aunt Hannah and they would have dinner and they would sit down and they would tell stories of years long ago and they would laugh and they would drink the wine and they would eat the bread and they would laugh they would cut up it was a joyous time and while Aunt Sarah and Uncle Barnabas are preparing for you they would clean their house and they would prepare a room for you so that you could sleep the night and they would make food and extra food in Jewish culture so they can send you with food for your journey so that you'd have plenty and while you're sitting at dinner it was Jewish custom at the Passover dinner to not I know you've seen the picture Da Vinci painted of the Last Supper I'm just just Humbly, that's wrong. They did not have chairs. They did not sit at a table. This is what they did. They would sit down and they would lean on the left side like this. And there were so many family members in the room that they would be leaning on the chest. And they would turn and they would tell a joke and they would all laugh. And then they would eat the bread. They were reclining at table. Why do you recline at table? Because that was what true freedom was. You don't even strive for the meal at the Passover. You just rest. You sit in your recline at table and your head would lean against the chest of Uncle Barnabas or Aunt Hannah and you would tell, you would hear their heart beating in your ear and you'd be loving on your extended and your immediate family and it was a joyous occasion. It was the most celebrated fun time of the year. Passover is the Jewish Christmas. It is the happiest time of year for them. It was their meal. It was their Passover. They would tell stories. You remember when we used to work and build the kingdom for Pharaoh and God brought us through the wind and through the water and he he saved us from all of that. You remember all that striving? Here in this place, we don't have to strive anymore. We can, just, we can just recline at table and enjoy each other's presence. But even this became a chore as the sound of culture turned what was holy into ritual. Because Isaiah 1 said, bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths. You've turned this beautiful thing into a Ritual. You've turned Christmas into a day to spend money. You've turned church into a day of striving to impress a father that was already pleased. You've turned church into a day of work when this was supposed to be a taste of heaven. You've turned all of this into striving and doing more when you're supposed to just sit in his presence and feel him. I'm preaching about heaven today. What we're doing right now and what we're expressing and what we're practicing is heaven. I know I'm preaching, but this isn't work for me. This is passion for me. This is what I'm living for. This is what I'm willing to die for. 
for is God I want that peace that I feel in a church service it's not work for me to come to church because I come into this place and the word of God is beautiful to me I don't strive for sermons I read his bible and if I get a sermon glory to God and I just come into a pulpit and tell people about how the bread tastes that's all I'm doing this isn't strive to cook a meal I'm just telling you how good the bread actually is for me and I'm preaching to myself as I'm preaching to my brothers and sisters that's all this is right now this is rest God didn't want the prophet Isaiah to have just one chapter that had rebuke in it though God had a stone that would preserve one square inch he said while you've turned Sabbath into a ritual here's what I will do Isaiah 25 5 he says to God you will reduce the noise you're going to reduce the noise of the aliens as heat in a dry place, as heat in the shadow of a cloud. The song of the terrible ones will be diminished. And in this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of well-aged wines, a fat things full of marrow, a full wine and full refined and aged wines. He will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all the people and the veil that was spread over the nations. He will swallow up. God's going to eat too. What's, what's going to be on your dinner plate, God? I'm going to swallow death. And death is never going to be able to do anything again. Because while you're eating from the table I prepared for you, I'm going to eat the table, eat from the table that you couldn't eat from. I'm going to eat and swallow up death. Because death has been seeking you out. And death robs from you this place where you live forevermore. And death without me results in separation from me for eternity so I will take the thing out of the way that is keeping you from this place and it will be said in that day behold this is our God we have waited for him he will save us this is the Lord it's as if Isaiah thought Jesus was God or something we have waited for him we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation God himself was going to come to earth and he said where's death put it on the plate I'm going to eat death because you can't digest it I'm going to swallow death because your stomach couldn't handle it I'm going to eat it it's going to be bitter in my mouth it's going to be sweet in my mouth but bitter in my stomach because it would kill you but it won't kill me the God mentioned in verse 9 would teach of this one square inch when he tells his disciples not to seek what they should eat or what they should drink or to be anxious of mind because their father knows that they need these things he said seek the kingdom he told them not to fear because it is the Father's good pleasure to give them the kingdom. He said, don't stress. It's my pleasure to give it to you. Don't strive. Don't be anxious. Don't give no thought about this. Just look for it and I'll give it to you. Just want it. Just want it. And I'll put it on your plate. Just come into the room. Come into the restaurant of church and say, God, I want your kingdom. And you don't have to beg because there's no beggars in my house. Just come in here and say, God, I'd like a little bit of kingdom on my plate. And the Father said, it's my good pleasure to give it to you. You don't have to strive for it. All you had to do was ask. Here it is. Here's some kingdom. Here's some peace. Here's some rest. Here's some healing. Here's some sanctity. Here's some solitude. What are you going to eat, Master? I'm going to eat anxiety. I'm going to eat hopelessness. I'm going to eat your fears. I'm going to eat all the things that are causing you turmoil. I'm going to eat your works. When the rich man 
He stops in the middle of teaching this, of not being anxious and giving no thought of what we would eat or drink. He stops. He says, let me, let me tell you this way. You know those Passover meals? Yeah, we know about those Passover meals. He said, let me tell you a little story about a rich man who ate sumptuously every single day. And outside of his house was Lazarus, a beggar who had no food and all he wanted was a crumb from the rich man's table and that rich man would never give him any and what happened Lazarus died that's a bad story Jesus that's not the end of it he didn't get anything of any pleasure here but he didn't strive either but when he died, he said, here's the rest of the story. Angels grabbed up Lazarus and they brought him. And you know, we, we have been people that have debated this scripture forever. Read it in Greek. It's clear what it says in Greek. It says that they found Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. What does that mean? In Greek, it said they found Lazarus leaning against Abraham's chest. Do you know what that means? That's what you did at Passover when you were reclining at table and you were leaning down and he was sitting as the guest at a banquet dinner and Abraham was there and he knew him and was known and he said I died look where I'm at you died too Lazarus you don't have to beg here you're home the table's stocked full of food there's no striving here and Lazarus leaned down and he said I'm free here I can eat in the posture of freedom I can lay down and recline at table and Abraham would look at him and say that's not only the best part you don't just get to recline but see that man up on Mount Zion Yes, yes, who is that? He's got a name. What's his name? He's going to tell it in the Gospels. What is it? His name is Jesus. It means salvation. What's he going to do? He's going to feed you today, Lazarus. He's going to gird himself with towel. He's going to wash your hands just like you wanted to do when you watched the rich man wash his guest hands as he would wash the hands of those in the highest seats in the honored places. You never got to do that because you were a beggar. Today, the king of kings is going to wash your hands. You've entered your rest. The rich man died too and he looked from a great distance and he said, I remember Passover meals. Can I have that one? And Abraham walked and he said, sir, I'm sorry. There's a great chasm between us. You can't come here and I can't come there. And the man still had passion. He said, please send somebody to tell my five brothers not to come to this place. And Abraham said, they've got Moses and the prophets. And he says, even if someone died and came from the dead, they still wouldn't believe. <laughs> Do you understand what Jesus did for us? He didn't just preach about it. He lived it. Musicians, get ready to come in a moment. He went at the high day in John 16. <laughs> and he said, go find somebody. He's prepared me a room. There was no room for me when I showed up. The Greek word for in is room. Nobody made room for the baby Jesus. His parents were traveling during Passover, and it was customary that you give a room to the travelers. No one gave Mary and Joseph and Jesus a room. A donkey gave him a room. And Jesus said, well, since the donkey gave me a room at my birth, I'll give the donkey honor on Sabbath, and I'll ride him into Jerusalem. Because he's the only one who made room for me. So I'll give him the high honor on this high day. And he rode into Jerusalem on Sabbath while riding on a donkey. And he said, thank you. If he'll honor a donkey, 
Because he made room. What would he do for the child of God made in his image that made room? And so Jesus rides in and he says to his disciples, go, there's going to be an upper room. That man's going to make room for us. He's got a room preserved. Okay, God, prepare the Passover meal. And so they did. That evening they went up and the Bible said Jesus girded himself. And he says, you must understand what I'm about to do. This is the entirety of the kingdom right here in your midst. Here's what it's going to look like. And I'm, I, John, I want you to write this down. Matthew, get your notebook out. I want you to write this down so that people in 2022 can see this and understand that this will not be left out of the gospel because here's a down payment of what heaven's going to be like. Sit down. I'm going to wash your hands. No, Lord, I don't want you. Let me wash your hands. Don't work here, Peter. Don't strive here, Peter. Don't try to impress me, Peter. Don't try to wash my hands. And don't try to be a special because you're claiming to wash my head also. I'm here to wash your hands and your feet, Peter. Today you rest, son. Peter would sit down and say, wash me then, Lord. I want to participate in this day of rest. Very good, son. You're learning how to stop from all your works like I did when I created all this. Just enjoy my presence here. And so he did. He washed them. And here's the profound thing. John was leaning on the bosom of Jesus. And he was reclining at table. But here's the scariest part. Judas was sitting on his right hand side. And when you dip sop in the soup and you hand it to somebody, at the Passover meal that's what you did for the guest of honor. The grace of God looked at someone conspiring to murder. And he said, here, I'll give you the honorary bread. You're my guest today. And I won't embarrass you. Nobody at this table will know what you're even, what you're even conspiring to do. And they're going to be jealous of you because you're getting the highest honor today, Judas. And when Judas ate that bread and took from God the highest level of grace that he could muster up to a murderer, you get the honor seat. And Judas still wanted to kill him. It was at that moment that the grace of God was doing its work. But the mankind walked out the door. Because the doors aren't locked. And Satan himself entered into Judas. And Judas looked at Jesus. And Jesus said, I've given you every ounce of grace I know to give, Judas. I had you sit on my right hand. I fed you. You were reclining at table. You knew who I was. You were in every prayer meeting. Whatever you're going to do, just do it quickly. But before you go, let me wash those feet. So that the last thing these feet felt were my hands as they walk away. Do you understand what we're doing today? You understand what I am eat up with? There is something that fell on me last night as I was studying this. Brother Neelan, Psalm 23 tells us, and we like to preach it as we, we preach it really from a heart of retribution. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Everybody that hurt me is going to rue the day when I'm in heaven. That's not the heart of Psalm 23. The heart of Psalm 23 is the last verse. I will abide in the house of the Lord forever. So you know what that looks like? That's what this is going to look like. Death is going to be standing where the rich man is. Anxiety is going to be standing where the rich man was standing.
hopelessness. It's going to be standing right there. Your religious works, your busyness, your striving to impress Him, it's going to be sitting right here. But the sons and daughters, we don't beg here. There's going to be this great chasm and we're going to be sitting there eating and in the presence of our enemies. We're going, to, we're going to be eating and as we go to grab the fork to pick it up and feed us, Jesus is going to come and say, put that down, son. But no, 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 not here, not here, not here. Let me show you how it's done in heaven. Jesus is going to take that fork. He's going to take that bread. He's going to sop it and he's going to feed it to us like children. He's going to pat us on the back and say, thank you thank you for inviting my kids here thank you for telling my sons and daughters how to get here thank you thank you AJ Amanda come here I'm going to walk to him he's going to say come here come here here's Levi here's Levi Here's Logan. <laughs> They've been resting. And when you rested in my presence, you could feel them, couldn't you? Do you know what we're doing today? The extended family has come together. And you're literally sitting so close that you could just you could just lay your head upon your sister. This is what Passover is going to be like. We don't preach enough about heaven. Jesus would be the stone. That one square inch of human flesh that said, I am here to bring into this world of noise some silence. How do you know that, preacher? Because Romans tells us that in Him is peace and rest. And we can only find Him when we celebrate that Passover meal. There's a time for fasting, but there's a time for feasting. You know what we do when we go out to eat after after church today? We're practicing the rapture celebrating the rapture can you see it I just want you to close your eyes and I want you to see it right now I need you to visualize it it needs to be tangible for you I want to paint the picture for you as you close your eyes imagine being caught up with him in the air and people curious walking through and we begin to ask ourselves what is that that I feel I don't I don't I don't understand what I'm feeling where I'm where I come from it's so loud it's so it's so busy I don't feel any of that here what is this and you walk through pearly gates and a smiling father looks at his children and he smiles with tears running down his cheeks he says welcome home in my father's house are many rooms there wasn't room for me when I came and I didn't want that to be said of you so I made plenty of room for you and in fact I looked up the dimensions of heaven and a mathematician 
mathematician, Brother Neelan, did the math of how big heaven is. Heaven can house 20 billion souls if each soul had 75 acres each. Heaven's plenty big enough for you. It's big enough for your family. And when we enter in, we're going to see them and we're going to know that it's Abraham. And we're going to meet with our immediate family. I'm going to meet with Levi and Juan Diaz and Emma Diaz and Bill Holloway and Dorothy Holloway. And I'm going to walk in and I'm going to see my immediate family. But then my extended family, T.W. Barnes, J.T. Pugh, T.F. Tenney, Abraham, Elijah. They're all going to come to me and they say, welcome home, brother. Welcome home, sister. You're here. Rest is coming. The world is trying to put upon us all this busyness. Church is trying to put on us busyness. I'm inviting you right now into solemn rest. I want you to slip those hands up right now. I'm not going to press you because I don't feel that spirit on me right now. I'm not going to hammer. I'm not going to pull. I'm not going to push. I want you to see that heavenly place. I want you to see the loved ones. I want you to see them sitting behind a table and the Father feeding them. And you run to them and they look at you and say, Welcome home. Look, did you know all this would be here? Look at all this. The table's full. Daddy's been feeding us the whole time we've been here. He's been comforting me. He's been telling me, you're home now. You don't have to strive. You don't have to work. You're at peace here. I looked and I saw the anxiety that was trying to take me out. It's across the, it's across the great chasm. It can't even get to us. It can't make its way here. I saw fear. I saw death over there. And I just looked at it. And it looked at me. And it wanted to come over here. But God smiled and said, it can't make it here. There's no way that it can cross that great divide. You're here now. And all your problems are over there. They'll never come and get you again. It's like the Israelites as they stood on the other side of the sea and they saw their past all the way across the sea and they said, that's it, we're free. They'll never be able to come get us again. There's a great divide between us. Do you want that? Here's the invitation as we stand. Brother Neelan, the upper room where they had Passover was a room loaned to them by a stranger unnamed. The same room is where the wind fell in Acts 2. was in that upper room where Sabbath was. Seven times seven times seven. Forty-nine days later, seven times seven times seven. Perfect symmetrical Sabbath cycles led to another wind blowing and the voice of God came in the wind and they opened their mouth and they said we want to rest we want to rest and God said here I got a taste of heaven for you taste the wind Clothe yourself with fig leaves like Adam and Eve. The wind's looking for you. And they didn't. They opened up their hearts, lifted up their hands. And as the wind began to blow, they began to speak in other tongues. And God said, there it is. Do you feel that? That's but a foretaste of what's coming. That'll be enough to sustain you. How, God? How is this going to sustain me? Because it sustained me. I endured the cross for the joy that was set before me. 
and you've got the same spirit that I had on the cross, I'll put it in you. And it'll give life to your mortal bodies so that whatever you go through on this earth, pandemics, loss, pressures, cultures, problems, don't focus on the noise. Focus on the wind. Set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. Look at what's coming. Heaven is sweet. It's coming. You're going to rest there. It's going to be glorious. Would you do that right now? If you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, I invite you today as the voice, the Spirit of the Father that's within me, I invite you, come home. Come home. I can tell you with utmost surety, I've had more rest the past eight months than I've ever had in my life. In the past five weeks, I told my wife yesterday, I broke down and I said, I feel a pressure that's been coming on me. It's trying to rob from me all this rest that God's put into my soul. And so I locked myself in my office yesterday until one o'clock in the morning. I said, God, I'm not striving, but this is a six-day work cycle. Give me rest tomorrow. But right now, God, keep me locked in with that peace. I don't want to lose that peace that you put into my soul. And as the Son of God who's tasted peace and is enduring loss and enduring pain and anxieties and pressures, I have so many pressures as an evangelist, people wanting me to do this and wanting me to say that and wanting me to rebuke that and wanting me to edify that. I just want to be His. And I silence all that stuff and I just say, God, give me You. Do you want that peace? I want you to come to these altars. And as a body of people, we're going to practice Passover today. As we come, we've eaten the bread. The Word was fed to us. Now, as brothers and sisters, can we come to this altar? And can we grab our neighbor's hand and can we lift it up towards heaven? I'm not intimidated by the silence that's here right now. I don't need people falling out in the Holy Ghost. I just want you to taste. Taste it. Taste that peace. To those of you who have lost, taste the presence of God. To those of you that are in turmoil, taste it. To those of you that have been tossing and turning in your sleep, I'll prophesy to you because I feel it strongly on me. You're going to get the best night of sleep you've ever had tonight. If you will taste what's here. We are in heaven right now. Heaven has met this room. Not because of you being perfect. Because you want Him and He wants you. And so with that knowledge, don't be a beggar. Because when heaven comes, there's no begging. There's reclining at table. Lean upon the chest of your Savior. Hear His heart and you'll hear it beat. And you'll hear the beat and the rhythm and it says, I want you. I want you. Come home, son. Stop striving. Stop trying to impress me. Just rest here. Now, can we just talk to Him? Can we allow the wind to blow as gentle as it wants to? Oh, 
yara la barri kusinde yara la barri suto ye yara la la barri sandarabaki yoro no borro sandarabarri kite yara la barro suto ya yara barri kondolo borro suto yara la barri I know you're weary, church. I know you've been through seasons. But you're in your rest now. And rest brings harvest. You're entering into the place of confidence. I feel it prophetically. And you're going to enter into the place where sons and daughters come home. I prophesy over this church today with the Spirit of God upon me that the sons and the daughters will come home, that the prodigals are coming home, that the sons and the daughters are coming home. And to those who have lost sons and daughters, you're going to go home to see them. There is a rapture coming for the bride. There is a rapture coming for the church. To the guests that might think this is awkward, that's the culture telling you that. This is heaven right now. This is what we believe in as an apostolic church. We believe in rest. We believe in confidence that we are His sons, we are His daughters. Rest in that today. Rest from your striving. Don't impress Him. Just lift up your hands and say, Father, here I am. It may not be much and it don't look impressive, but here I am. He's going to come down and say, that's what I wanted. I wanted my son and daughter. Do you want me? If you do, tell him yes. And he's going to fill you with his spirit. And it's not going to be by works, but by faith that the Father wants you. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, lift up your hands. You're going to begin to speak with stammering lips and an unknown tongue. God's going to give you the identity of the wind. You're going to taste it in your mouth, the identity of the wind. If you've been striving, rest right now. If you've got prodigals, I'm prophesying to you that you've entered into the season of the harvest in this church. You have been through hell on earth, through hurricanes and through loss, but I'm here today with the voice of God to tell you not because you've earned it. You didn't have to suffer to earn it no more than Job's, Job suffered. You had to just realize that God was bringing you into peace and now as brothers and sisters in the presence of God can we rejoice can we rejoice and in this place can we confess there's no more noise there's no more noise here there's no anxiety here. Here's what I know about the presence of God. That when the presence of God moves like it does right now, anxiety has no jurisdiction here. Anxiety, fear, pain, hopelessness cannot find you here. You know where you are? You're in the hidden place. So one more time. Let us taste it today. The wedding supper of the Lamb. Lift up your voices. You're entertaining angels right now. 
They're entertaining the presence of those who have gone on before us and they've come into this place. And God allows us pockets of time where we enter into a heavenly abode where we're with the, the cloud of witnesses that have gone on before us. They're here right now. The spirit of Elijah is here. The spirit of Moses and Abraham. The spirit of those who have passed on. They came down because we've entered into the place where they dwell. We are with them. We're dining with them. We're dining with the presence of God. Feel that peace. Let the loved one whisper in your ear that has passed on before you. Let God whisper in your ear. He is telling you, rest your home. This is home. This is home. If you're looking for a church, this is home.
Was your soul fed today? I could literally uh, ask you to sit down. I'm not, but I could literally ask you to sit down and I could now speak for 30 minutes. I could. Because even though I did not preach it so eloquently as Brother AJ did, in a sense, I have been saying that to us. That the culture is stealing from us. You know what I did last night, Brother AJ? For probably 30 or 45 minutes, all I did was just walk on my little path. And I just listened to a little bit of music and just out there unashamedly with my hands raised to the Lord. I am not going to allow this culture to steal my peace and allow and, and live in anxiety and frustration and fear. So many of you sweet people you have bought into this culture that you got to have something in your ear or something on your eye or you got to have a tablet in your hand and the scripture says be still and know that I am God. Brothers and sisters, we heard a word today. And you know what? It'll be all right for you to go out this evening when it kind of cools off and just get by yourself. Last night was a beautiful moon. And I don't know how many times I thank the Lord just for the beautiful moon. His creation. You are buying into this culture that says you got to be doing something every second. And anxiety is at an all-time high. Depression's at an all-time high. And I'm going to tell you that is not the will of God for anyone in this room. It's not God's will. And I'm making the choice not to allow the culture to do that to me. I'm going to live in His rest and in His peace. Because that's His will for my life. Can I get a witness? Would you give some love to the man of God today? I do appreciate all of your attentiveness. Thank you for staying. I do appreciate that. I just want a couple of little slides to come up real quick. I'm going to give you some direction before we make our way over to the new building. A couple of slides. Do you see those slides up there? Okay, so on those metal studs are some just the edges are sharp. And we just don't want you ladies or gentlemen to cut yourself. So just be aware of that. And then there's also the corners are a little sharp. Just be aware of that. We don't want you to nick or cut or hurt yourself. So here's what we're going to do. If you would give me one minute, we're going to have a, well, I'm going to lead you out of the front door and we're going to all walk over together and we're going to try to get a pick of that as a memory. And then we're going to come into the sanctuary and then I'm going to give you a little bit of direction and then we're going to give you a Sharpie and then you can write as many scriptures as you want. And somebody asks, can I put my name on it? I don't mind if you put your name on it. Scriptures, a saying, a prophecy, a promise. I, I don't really have a problem with any of that. All right? Everybody good? Okay? Everybody clear? So what I would like, if you would give me one minute. I'm going to walk out before you. We're going to all walk over together. They're going to get a drone shot of it. 
We're going to walk into the sanctuary part. You will see what that is. I'll give you some direction. Now, here's what I need. All parents, please hear me before you start moving. Please get your children from Sunday school. All parents, please get your kiddos from Sunday school because we want all of our teachers, all of our volunteers to be able to participate with us. So please don't leave your babies here because we're all going over as many as want to. We're going over together. Everybody clear? Everybody good? Musicians, singers, volunteers. If you want to go, we want you to go with us. And here we go. He is my faithful Father. Call. 